Happy New Year and welcome to Refuge Church Podcast. My name is Nicole and I'm one of the pastors here at Refuge. The sermon you're about to listen to is the first in our new series we're calling Refocus, Fixing Our Eyes on Jesus. In his message, Pastor Brian teaches how shifting from a traditional New Year's resolution to setting intentions aligned with Jesus can transform our daily lives. He unravels the profound message from the story of Mary and Martha, showing us how to balance the busyness of life with intentional moments with Jesus. So don't miss any of this series as we discover a more meaningful approach to our resolutions, focused not just on goals, but a deeper connection with Jesus, with our faith, and with purpose. Happy New Year! Yeah, thank you. Thank you. It's 2024. It's January. Anybody know what the month of January is named after? Roman God Janus, like the Janus Mutual Funds, too. Two-Faced God. It's a two-faced Roman God. I think I got a picture of it there. Yes, the two-faced Roman God. One face is looking back to the past year, and one face is looking forward. Most of us come into this new year, let's be honest, a little bit two-faced. We're looking backwards. Man, I, I think I could have done a lot better. And we're looking ahead to the next year. I'm going to do better. Or as the great theologians, the Counting Crows said, it's been a long December, but there's reason to believe maybe this year will be better than the last. That's why we make New Year's resolutions. Resolutions have a long history. Actually, I did some research this week. They go back 4,000 years to the Babylonians, and then it carries forward to the Romans, and then even to the Knights of Medieval Times. I don't know what their resolution was, maybe to open doors more for people as they're coming in and out, return to chivalry every year. But that, those resolutions continue to us today, and we've all at some point in time, made a New Year's resolution. Even if now, like a lot of people in my family were last week, we think we're above New Year's resolutions. We've resolved that our bank accounts will grow, that our waistlines will shrink, that our relationships will be better, that our stress will be less. And usually by, oh, January 6th, it's oops. Maybe 2025 will be my year. It's a new year. We've arrived at the start of another year. And I'm here, and you're here, and we made it. We're still breathing. We got another 365 days, minus six days or so, 8,760 hours, full of possibility, both to do some great things and, of course, also the potential to face trials and difficulties. Now, in my day job, As an insurance agency owner, I start every new year with a time of reflection and planning. It's what you do in the business world. And so we take some time and say, did we hit the goals that we set out to achieve last year? Why or why not? What are our goals for 2024? What are the external goals that our company is putting on us? What are our internal goals? Do they align? Are there any big events that are coming that we need to be aware of, that we need to plan for? What mistakes did we make in the prior year? And how can we avoid those mistakes in the new year? And so just as I wouldn't overlook this kind of planning in my professional life, that same principle can hold immense value in our personal lives and in our spiritual lives. And so it's a new year, so it's going to be a new series. And as Brandy said during our worship time, we're going to take a moment for the next, I think, five or six weeks to refocus. Now, as Christians, where should our primary focus be? 
Yeah, it's a slow pitch, guys. This is an easy one to start off the year. We're in church. It's Jesus. Jesus is where our primary focus should be. We just sang that song. Our verse for this series, or a couple of verses for this series, comes from the writer of Hebrews 12, and it's uh, verse 1. says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Those verses are looking back to throw off the old year and its burdens. And then the writer pivots to look ahead at the new year. It says, and let us run with perseverance the race marked for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of God. Making resolutions can be a good thing. Goals, developing plans that lead to positive changes in our lives, new skills, healthy habits, better boundaries, all of that is good. But a couple of things. Historically, we know this, there is a high failure rate for New Year's resolutions. And so how will we respond when and if we fail? And number two, if we cut the carbs, cut the sugar, live on tofu, cardboard, Why? We have to ask ourselves, why? To get skinny? To get healthy? Or is it to be a better disciple of Christ, a better lover of our neighbor, a more grace and joy-filled human being? This is why we must train and fix our eyes on Jesus. I'm going to share with you one of uh, my Christmas presents here from Karen. Maui Jim sunglasses here. Pull out. These are magical sunglasses. I don't know if anybody has any of these magic sunglasses. You put them on. And it fixes this issue I have with my eyes. It's called being old. (laughs) I can't take them off. I can't see anything. The only way I can preach up here each week without glasses on, I don't know if you can see this. I preach using size 18 font because I can't see. Poor Nicole and David, we share our sermons back and forth. And when I send them, I send them my size 18 font notes. And so I don't know if they even actually read the things or not, but that's how I get through this. And everyone in the room, if you're north of 40, happy birthday, Dominic. He's celebrating his 40th birthday today. (laughs) Dom, it's coming, bro. Presbyopia is what it's called. You're going to lose that flexibility in your lenses that you can't focus on things that are near up. And so when you get north of 40, 42, 43, you got two choices. You can put on some reading glasses so you can see what's here up close, or you can go through life with no glasses on and you can see what's at a distance, but not what's up close. Or if you have really bad uh, myopic vision, then you got to wear your glasses still, but you still can't see what's up close. Now, I went to school to be an ophthalmologist. That's what I started out as. And I worked at LensCrafters through college as an optician. And mainly I was doing that so I could see the business side of the eye industry and then realized I was much better at business and organic chemistry, so ended up going that route. That's another story. But I learned at LensCrafters there is a third option for us geriatrics, and they're called bifocals. That's my magic glasses here. They are bifocals, a way to see at the same time both far and near. And so Karen got me this pair of bifocal sunglasses for Christmas. We do a lot of boating and fishing. When you do that, there's a lot of near stuff and there's a lot of far stuff. And so last week we took a boat trip to Key West, which was great and amazing. And I got to try out these magical glasses. Now at first, putting on these bifocals, they were hard to get used to. There's an annoying line that goes across the middle of the glasses and it's kind of hard to focus and it's distracting and it's kind of annoying. But eventually... I stopped noticing the line, 
I stopped noticing the transition from near and far, and all of a sudden I could just see. That's why I call these my magic sunglasses. And so that's our objective in this series, to practice focusing our eyes upon Jesus in both the near, the temporal, our life happening in the day-to-day, but also the far, the heavenly perspective and the eternal relevance of the choices that we make each day. And so for the next four weeks, past this week, we'll work through some of the most popular New Year's resolutions, physical health and mental health and relational health and financial health. And as we do, hopefully, learn to see both near and far through the lens of Jesus. Because when the stone was rolled away at the tomb, it wasn't so that Jesus could get out. It was so that we could get inside and see to see the one who folds our highs and our lows, our sins and our good deeds, our tears and our laughter into himself, to see the one that takes the story of our lives and turns them into beautiful masterpieces of grace. Webster's defines a new resolution as this, is a promise to do something differently in the new year. But what if instead of making resolutions... Those promises that we all struggle to keep, this year we shift our perspective to setting New Year's intentions. It's a subtle yet profound shift, one I struggled to grasp initially when Nicole suggested this idea to our teaching team. And so I pushed back a little bit on that. I said, look, for me, resolutions, that is a powerful word. It is to resolve into something versus intentions. That's just, that's just good intentions which is kind of weak and flaky. But just like my magic glasses that let me see both near and far, intentions are what can help us focus on the how and the why, not just the what. We make resolutions, we're looking at only the specific outcome. I want to lose weight. I want to save money. I want to improve my relationship. All of those are noble goals. But they're rooted in a sense of lack of inadequacy and hinge on our future success or failure. That's resolutions. But intentions are different. And to wrap my head around this, I had to to change the word. Not intentions, but being intentional. Being intentional is about allowing our daily actions every hour of the day with Jesus. And so being more present. Being intentionally more compassionate. What did we do at Christmas time? We talked about hope, love, joy, and peace. And so running our race this year with those intentions, not just chasing after a goal, but intentionally trying to live out the gospel in every aspect of our lives. The Bible talks of this over and over. Proverbs 16, 9 says, we can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. Matthew six thirty three it says, seek the kingdom of God above all else. And live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Galatians 5.25 says, Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part intentionally of our lives. And so I wanted to use a story from the Bible to better illustrate this idea of resolutions versus intentions. I want to look at two sisters, two apprentices of Jesus. Their names are Mary and Martha. It's found in Luke chapter 10, if you want to follow along on the screen, or you can pull it up on your your Bible phone apps. We're going to start in verse 38, Luke chapter 10, verse 38. I'm using the New Living Translation of the Bible, and it says this, As Jesus and his disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister, Mary, sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. 
But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. And so let me set this scene. Jesus has come to this little village. And Martha, she is resolved. She says to Jesus, come, stay at our home. And Jesus apparently has said, sure, that sounds great. And with this invite, then, Martha has resolved to make this encounter with Jesus perfect. And so she sets out to make the perfect playlist, to set the right mood. If you've ever done that before, you know, you're trying to set the mood for the party that you're having. Is it the classic alternative hits? Is Jesus more into a Jack Johnson vibe? And then she pours over all the food blogs, all these recipes that would impress even the most discerning foodie. Then she sets the table. She goes with the classic English butler style, which I just learned what that was this week. She polishes the silver, every knife, every fork, every spoon measured to the exact placement. She arranges and rearranges the furniture and the seating so that it is optimal for the best conversation. She can't decide between the chocolate lava cake or the creme brulee, so she says, I'll just make both. And then in a last-minute frenzy, Martha is running around on a cleaning spree, ensuring every corner of the house is perfect. She is resolved. It says, meanwhile, over in the living room, away from the clatter of the dishes and the hustle of Martha, sits Jesus right there in a humble chair. And there with Jesus is Mary, just sitting there at the feet of Jesus, eyes fixed on him alone, absorbing every word he speaks, savoring the parables, marveling at his insight into the kingdom of God. And Martha, with every plate she sets, every dish she prepares, her annoyance simmers. And finally, it's reached the boiling point. She's unable to contain it any longer. She rolls up on Jesus in this merry scene, and she hands, with her hands covered in flour, her clothes covered in flour, a testament to her hard work, and she just explodes on them. Jesus, Lord, does it seem fair that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? I've tried so hard. I've worked tirelessly. I'm exhausted. Meanwhile, my sister just sits here with you, absorbed in your presence. And so Jesus responds. He says, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details, but there's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. Martha's resolution was admirable. She had resolved at being a great host. Most of our resolutions are admirable. We resolve to exercise more and eat less to improve our physical health. We resolve to spend more time developing relationships. We resolve to learn a new skill or read a book. We resolve to save money or reduce our debt or give more. All good things. But then that checklist chase begins. And we begin just focusing on ticking off the tasks. And our eyes are so focused on the prize that we develop that tunnel vision, unable to see the richness of the experience along the journey. And so we'll say, I want to get fit. That is admirable indeed until it turns 
to the relentless pursuit of gym check-ins, calorie counting, constant weighing, overshadowing our intention of being well. Meanwhile, we miss out on the joy that Jesus is trying to give us of simpler activities like a walk with the dogs or playing a sport that we love. We're so focused on the end goal that we miss enjoying the process. Or maybe you've got some career goals for the start of this new year. So you start working overtime and you take on the extra projects and you attend every networking event possible. Meanwhile, neglecting the personal relationships in your lives and your health. Or maybe you've resolved this year, I'm going to get more organized. And so you download the latest apps and you buy a planner and you set reminders. Meanwhile, you spent so much time getting organized that your life has become completely chaotic. Or maybe you resolved to learn a new skill and the checklist is to just get it done. I, I read that book or I did that lesson and you missed the joy in the learning and in the process. Or maybe you resolved to serve more. I mean, what resolution for the new year could be more admirable than saying, I want to serve Jesus more, more focused on Jesus? What could be more focused on Jesus than that? And so you come into the year and you're eager to make a difference and you pack the schedule. It's Sunday, it's worship rehearsal, bright and early in the morning, and then you teach a Sunday school class, and then you give the communion meditation that day, and then on Monday, it's a homeless dinner. You're serving with your fellow church members, and on Tuesday, you lead a small group in your home, and on Wednesday, it's back to church. It's serving with the youth, followed by worship rehearsal, and then an elder meeting, and then on Thursday, you got a rare free day, but you got to prepare for all the other days, because the next night on Friday, you're volunteering at the Youth Bridge Center, and it's you're there, and you got to teach, and on Saturday morning, you're changing the oil for the widows and orphans, and sadly, this was once my life. Every one of those things. And I will tell you that that checklist of activity made me a very resentful Martha. Meanwhile, in the living room of each one of those activities sat Jesus in a humble chair And most every time, I miss him. I miss spending time sitting at his feet. Because I was only looking through the bottom part of my bifocal lenses. The near, the present, the checklist. And I never looked up to see Jesus. This is why resolutions fail. But there's something about Mary. I think that's a movie. (laughs) Her intentionality. Listen to this. Mary intentionally chooses flexibility over rigidity. Unlike Martha, who was fixated on her checklist, Mary is flexible enough in her actions to leave some margin to adjust in the situation. I mean, perhaps Mary, we never think about this, but perhaps Mary is a better Martha Stewart, pun intended, than Martha is herself. But she remains flexible enough in this situation, in this big party, to see that Jesus is there in her presence and he is teaching. And so she changes her priorities on the fly to be with him. Mary intentionally chooses process over results. She's not driven solely by the desire to achieve a specific outcome. Instead, she immerses herself In the process, in the act of learning and growing and listening, she's valuing the experience and the journey, not just as an end result, allowing her to engage deeply in the moment. And lastly, Mary intentionally chooses to align her values. 
above everything. Mary places her highest value on time with Jesus. And so in this moment, she aligns her actions with that value. And so this isn't about doing less or being lazy. It's about connecting her actions to what she values most, and that is time with Jesus. To which Jesus says, there is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. Jesus' affirmation of Mary's intentional stillness is validation. Validation that it's not about the number of things that we check off the list in 2024, but about being able to see Jesus in all 8,760 hours. Seeing him in the quality of our actions, the depths of our engagement, the presence of our hearts in each moment. Mary chose intentions over resolution, relationship over routine, the eternal over the temporal teaching us that intentions rooted in Christ are more powerful than any resolution. Living intentionally is waking up every day and saying, Jesus, how can I see you today? How can I reflect your love today? And so as we come into a new year, man, it's good to have some goals and some objectives and some things you want to accomplish. I want to encourage that. But I encourage you to set some New Year's intentions. Instead of resolving to change yourself, resolve to intentionally surrender to yourself. It's a new year, a chance to look back and a chance to look ahead, a chance to learn to see both the near and the far. And so we need to be careful because if we only focus on the near, then we'll get so caught up in career advancement and achieving goals and chasing new hobbies and so wrapped up in the routines that we'll miss the chance to sit with Jesus. But we also need to be clear that we don't only focus on the far, the end goal, heaven, glory. Because if we do that, then we'll miss the chance to sit with Jesus in those 24 hours he's given us every single day to live life. We'll miss out on working with him to be an agent of change in the world. We'll isolate ourselves from our neighbors that he's called us to love along his side. And so fix your eyes on Jesus in 2024. See him in the near and the far, the mundane and the magnificent. Recognize his presence in your everyday life while keeping your heart and mind focused on his eternal truths. And so I thought tonight, it's the start of a new year, And we ought to kick off the year having a meal together with Jesus as a church body. And so there are two emblems on those tables over there in the corner. There's the bread and the juice, expressions of the near and the far. I'm going to read you Hebrews 12 again. It says, Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the founder and perfecter of faith, who for the joy that was set before him, Endure the cross. You know what the joy that was set before Jesus is? It's me. It's you. We are the joy that was set before Jesus so that he endured the cross. And so as we close tonight and we have this time of communion, can we be intentional with these moments? Can we move past the checklist of communion First of the year, check, done, once a month, got it over with. Can we move past the checklist and just sit in this moment 
with the founder and the perfecter of our faith. Eat the bread as you remember his broken body for all the times last year that you missed the mark. Drink the cup as you look ahead to this next year with a fresh start, that fresh start that you get single day. And so the table is open. You can make your way to the table to my left, your right. There's bread and juice. Take that back to your seat. And as we sing this final song, continue to stand, take the bread, drink the juice as you feel led as we sing. Won't you stand?